Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Well, today the title of our show is Nail That Interview. And it is a follow-on to our series on career issues. We have talked about various aspects of the career continuum. And if this is the first time that you are listening to the show, let me share with you that if you visit the website, speedway.com, you will find a number of episodes that deal with this topic of of which Nail That Interview, this show, is but one. Before this show, uh, we aired, let's see, three critical interview questions. I think that aired on April the 20th. And uh, there was a show on stress, and the title was Stressed, Three Things Will Help. That was on April the 13th. On March the 23rd, we talked about Pride, the Deceptive Career Killer, and then we did a series of job hunting, job hunting, one on, job hunting 101 in March, and still job hunting later on in March. And before that, we did, I hate my job. So the idea was, if you're one of those people, see, I don't personally hate my job, but if you are one of those people who hates your job, then there are all sorts of um, episodes that will perhaps help you to cope, and if, in fact, you get to the point where you are looking for a new job, then you're going to have some ideas for job hunting and interviewing strategies, of which this is but one. So at this point, let's suppose that you have been searching and searching, and now you finally have that job interview. How should you prepare? What should you not say? What is the one answer to the one question that will set you apart from the pack every single time? What is the message you should send whether you are asked or not? Well, these are the kinds of things that we're going to talk about today. The the sobering side, which we can start with, is the fact that, first of all, you are not guaranteed the job, right? We all know this intuitively, perhaps. The job is not your entitlement to have. Your skills and experience may not be the right fit. Your personality might not be the right fit. There may be candidates who simply have better resumes than you for this particular uh, position. And all you can do then is put your best foot forward based on who you are, the experiences you have, the level of interest you have in the job, and make sure you paint an accurate but positive picture of how you will get 
you will be a good selection for the position for which you are interviewing. So part of the question is, how then do you prepare? Here is the first truth most of us don't fully appreciate. And, you know, I have been interviewing people for the better part of two decades. I have had interviews during that time for jobs that I did and did not seek out. And one of the things that I think is, is true of successful candidates is that most of your performance is going to depend on what you do before you walk into the interview room. And it's a bit like, you know, I did a series on travel last year, and one of the things I said was that actually most of the success you're going to have traveling on the plane is going to be based on all of the stuff you do before you ever walk into the airport. And this is true of job hunting, too. Before you ever show up for the interview, most of your success or lack thereof is going to be defined by all the stuff you do beforehand. Um, Be mindful of the fact that there are a lot of things that interviewer is trying to figure out when you're sitting in front of him or her. I have been in that seat many times and my, you know, I might ask a single question, but actually what I'm trying to figure out in that one question is often not just the answer to the question. And there will be times I will ask a question for which I already know the answer, but there are other things that I'm interested in figuring out about this candidate. For example, a typical interviewer wants to know, can this candidate actually do the job? Does she have the background and qualifications I need? Can he follow instructions? How easy or hard is this person going to be to manage? How does she react to stressful situations? How well does he handle being confronted with direct questions or interrupted mid-sentence? Is he going to get flustered or can he pivot and go in a different direction? Some interviewers intentionally ask provocative questions or they ask questions in a provocative or confrontational way to see how you might react. For example, rather than saying, tell me what interests you about this position, an interviewer might simply demand, so, why do you want this job? And, you know, you have to figure out how you're going to answer the question and how you're going to react because, Sometimes what you might be dealing with, if you're the interviewee, you might be dealing with a potential boss who is brusque and abrupt and who is going to pull no punches, and you have to decide if you like that style and approach. The other thing is you might be dealing with a boss who's simply trying to press your buttons and see how you're going to respond. But either way, you have to and you can and you have the power to decide how you're going to respond to that kind of very, very blunt question. Some, interviewee, uh, some interviewers will intentionally show up for the interview late to see how you're going to react to being kept waiting. Believe it or not, my first job out of law school, I was interviewing. One of the jobs I interviewed for was a job with a, a relatively small firm. 
And I was, uh, I had a scheduled interview with the owner of that firm. Well, I got there, you know, the obligatory 10 minutes before the interview start time, and I uh, let the lady at the desk know that I was here to see this uh, woman, this attorney, uh, who was going to be interviewing me. And the lady said very pleasantly, oh, yes, indeed, why don't you have a seat right over here? She will be with you shortly. Well, you know, if you say shortly, I'm thinking shortly as in perhaps sometime around the time the interview is actually scheduled to begin. Well, that's what I thought. Well, the interview start time came. The interview start time went. 30 minutes later, this woman had not showed up. And uh, I asked the um, lady at the front desk, you know, it, does she know I'm here? Oh, yes, yes, she knows that you're here. She's gotten uh, a bit held up. She'll be along soon. Uh, have a seat. She'll be right with you. And the whole time that I waited, this woman was just very, very pleasant. Yes, yes, you know, why? Her court appointment went a little bit longer than anticipated. I mean, there was just one thing after the other. There was reason after reason after reason, right? So sit, I did, and I had no place else to be. At some point, I thought, well, should I leave? And then I thought, well, actually... I don't have any plans for the evening. I was in law school, and the only other thing I was going to do that evening was I was going to go back to um, my either the library and work, or I was going to go home and have dinner and chill out. And so I thought, well, I've got no place that I have to be at the moment, so I'm just going to wait and uh, see if anything pans out because I didn't have a follow-up interview scheduled. So I thought, I'm just going to wait. Well, wouldn't you know it? I waited for two hours for that interview, and when the lawyer finally walked in to see me, it was clear that she had no intention of interviewing me. She welcomed me, and she said, hello. She introduced herself. I introduced myself. And the curious thing was that by the time we had that meeting two hours into it, she had already made up her mind. It was clear. She asked me when I could start. And she asked me, she apologized for being late, and she asked me if uh, she could give me a ride home because I think I'd taken the bus to the interview. I didn't have a car at the time. And um, she offered to give me a ride home because it was late. It was probably about 6 by that time. By the time she actually showed up, it was 6 p.m. or so. And I remember it was after hours. It was dark, and she was apologetic, and she was very kind, and she was very sweet. And uh, she gave me a ride home, and we chatted the whole time, but I didn't actually have a formal interview with this lady. And so what I learned later was that actually the two hours that I sat waiting for that interview, that was the interview. She had looked at my resume and she had already decided that on paper I had the qualifications that she needed. What she really wanted to understand was how humble was I, how big was my ego, what kind of personality was she dealing with because in a small firm, the fit makes all the difference. So if I had huffed and puffed and left after 30 minutes, she would not have called me back and I would have never gotten a second chance for an interview because she would have surmised that I was egotistical and I had this sort of you know, me focus that she was not going to be interested in having in her law firm. And so sometimes interviews can be the time you spend before the person actually showed up. 
I have had interviewers, I've never actually done this, but I have read articles where interviewers will intentionally leave an interviewee sitting in the lobby and they will watch how that person treats the people walking past them and coming in. They will watch how that interviewee treats the receptionist. Um, they may have. Uh, a couple of critical stakeholders walk in casually and just sort of say hello to see how that person behaves when they don't think they're being watched, when they don't think there's a reason to be nice to the people who are coming by them, and just to see what kind of person this really is when nobody is watching, or at least when they think nobody is watching. So be mindful, be mindful, because by the time you walk into that interview room, your interview might have happened already and you just don't know it. All that to say, there are a lot of things, all sorts of things that an interviewer might be looking at and you need to be authentic, but at the same time, be mindful and manage your presence. Practical things to do before you actually get to the interview, because I already said, most of what you're going to need to prepare for is probably going to happen before you actually walk into the interview room. Practice answering questions succinctly before you get to the interview. I would suggest that you get on the Internet and research some common questions employers typically ask and practice answering every question completely inside of two minutes flat and then stop. I have, in every interview I've ever had, I've always practiced certain, all the basic questions. Tell me about yourself. What do you think you're going to like about this job? What interests you about our company? All of that stuff. Um, you know, so, so, so what kind of experience do you have that you think you can bring to this job? What am I not seeing on your resume that you might want to tell me that is pertinent to this discussion. All of those kinds of things are things that you want to have very crisp responses. So practice answering, because actually the truth is most of us do not answer a question in two minutes flat, especially in an interview situation, because you want to talk and talk and talk and convince this, this, this person who's doing the interview that you are supremely qualified for this job. And what I find interview candidates do is they may answer the question or they may not answer the question, but, they will, but what a lot of people will do is they will talk for miles about all sorts of things that they think are sort of somewhat maybe kind of related to the question that you ask, and they're hoping to impress you with anecdotal you know, stories about how they did this and how they did that. And as an interviewer, I actually find that pretty annoying. I am long-winded, but if I'm long-winded and I'm the interviewer, I, that's okay because I already have my job. But if I'm an interviewer and I'm interviewing, what I really want to Chris answers because I'm just trying to get oftentimes the facts. And once I have the first fact and I check that box and I say yes or no, this person has the uh, thing that I'm looking for, I want to move on to my next question. So part of the challenge is if I've got a, an interview for one hour and I've got a certain number of questions that I want to get through, the longer a person talks, 
the less likely it is that I'm going to get to my other interview questions. And it also worries me because I'm thinking when this person comes to work for me, this is the kind of behavior that I'm going to have to constantly manage. And especially if I've got stakeholders who are at a very high level in the organization, the truth about a lot of those people is that they have very short attention spans because they're extremely busy and they need very crisp responses before and they need to move from one thing to the next. The other true thing about stakeholders, and I'm talking about the very senior, the president of the company, the vice president of the company especially, not only are they busy, not only do they need to get from one thing to the other and not only do they have to do it quickly, but oftentimes they're the smartest bunch in the entire company. And so you can give them five words to answer a question, and they got it. They understand. They have filled in 10 tons of stuff based on the five words you gave them. They're ready to move on to the next thing. Whereas if you're still feeling like you've got to explain, they're already impatient and they're thinking, I got it, move on. And so these are the things that an interviewer might be thinking about while they're interviewing. So if you ramble on, it will give the impression sometimes that Maybe you are long-winded, you are an inefficient communicator, or just as bad, they might get the impression that you might be avoiding the question, especially if you don't answer it directly and they sort of have to extrapolate the answer from what you said. Or in my case, I've had interviews where I've asked a pretty straightforward question like, so tell me what is your throughput for handling contracts? Uh, hiring for a contract review manager position uh, not too long ago, actually. And I was trying to figure out from each of my candidates what kind of volume were they used to handling. So when I asked the question, I was expecting a number, right? Either you have a high throughput or you have a low throughput. I'll make the comparison. I'll make the decision. You just give me the number. And um, I was quite pleased with the people who were able to give me just a number. And typically, I would get a number and a brief explanation, which was fine. I had one candidate who gave me no number, long explanation about the kinds of contracts, how complex they were, how there was no you know, real way to gauge, and sometimes the volume was high, sometimes the volume was low. Five minutes later, I asked the question again, and I got another set of long explanations. And I gave up because I thought, well, that was the answer. If I've asked you twice, if you haven't answered the question in 10 minutes, I'm moving on. So my uh, co-interviewee who was sitting with me tried again. And she finally got an answer, but boy, it was long-winded, and in the end, the answer that we got wasn't a really good answer anyway, because it suggested that maybe this person wasn't really a workhorse like we had hoped, because the volume was not that high. And along with the volume came lots of explanations about how, well, you know, they're complicated. Well, we know they're complicated. We're reviewing the contracts today. I know contracts are complicated. You don't need to tell me that. So these are the kinds of things that make or break the interview for a candidate. So my suggestion to you is, if you are being asked a factual question, have a factual answer. If you are asked a question that can be answered in yes or no, uh, have you done this, yes or no? Do you have that kind of experience, yes or no? Give the yes or no first and make it an honest yes or no. If you want to explain briefly, You can explain briefly, but make sure you do it, I would suggest, in under two minutes. If your interviewer wants more information on that, 
They can ask you follow-up questions. You can have follow-up discussions, but plan to answer the question in two minutes or less. So that is my first suggestion to the factual questions. And factual questions are, you know, obvious, you know, the, the typical questions like, so how long have you been in such and such a role? Uh, tell me something about yourself that's not in your resume. What are your biggest strengths and weaknesses? What kind of experiences do you have in this particular area? Those are pretty factual questions. Increasingly common are behavioral questions where the interviewer is asking you how you behaved in a particular situation. And the idea, for better or for worse, is that your past performance is a good predictor of future behavior. For example, tell me about a time when you were really challenged in your job and how you handled that challenge. How in, you know, tell me about a time when you had to deal with an irate customer and how did you do it. Tell me about a situation when you were forced to discipline an employee or say no to a client. What was that situation? How did you handle it? Those tend to be the kinds of things you hear in behavioral questions. They're, they're, they're situational questions. Tell me about a situation where you faced this kind of issue, this kind of opportunity, this kind of challenge, and tell me how you dealt with it. And I would argue that even with behavioral questions, two minutes or less. If you can't explain a situation that you faced and how you overcame it in two minutes or less, then you need to practice answering that question in a more succinct way. There are often, there are lots, the internet is replete with behavioral questions, sample questions. Some of them you will find on speedway.com on the posting to this article where I have given you a few links to some great articles on interviewing, interviewing techniques, what to do, what not to do, questions that you might get. But there is no excuse with the access to information that we have today. There is no excuse for you not being prepared adequately for any given interview. <laughs> and now for some other tips. There are some questions that you should always be prepared to answer and find a way to answer even if they are not asked. Why do I say that? Because Regardless of the questions, there are some questions in your interviewee's mind that you need to be able to answer. Always be prepared to tell the interviewer why you want this job. And I'm going to give you some examples to the wrong and right answers in a bit. Always be prepared to show your interviewer how your past experience is applicable to the job you're applying for, because if you can't do that, then you're going to have a hard time potentially explaining and convincing your interviewer that you are the right candidate. Find ways to demonstrate to the interviewer that you have done your homework about the company and that you know things about it that you admire and are interested in and, and, and places where you think you're going to be a good fit for whatever the company is trying to resolve. Now, obviously, if you do your research and decide you don't like the company, this is not a place you should be interviewing. Don't forget that the interview is a two-way street. Your interviewer is evaluating you, and we tend to focus exclusively on this fact. So we try to impress and we try to make ourselves look good 
And oftentimes we forget that you should be evaluating the company, the potential boss, in a critical way, and you should be trying to decide whether this company is a good fit for you, whether this job is a good match, whether you might be happy doing this job, whether you might be happy working for this boss, and don't be shy about asking your own direct questions to your potential boss so that you can make that determination. Assuming you do like the job, always find a way to articulate your top three best skills. Remember I said there are certain questions you should answer. Always find a way somewhere in that interview to articulate your top best, strongest skills that are applicable to the job and paint the picture for why you think that you are such a great candidate. For example, you might say, since this is a management or team lead position, I would imagine that one of the things that you're looking for is someone who is very good at leading people and inspiring people to achieve a common goal. Now think about that for a moment. Do you really think that any prospective employer is going to disagree with the statement that you just made? Of course not. They're not going to say, hmm, I don't really want someone who's good at leading people. They're not going to say, hmm, I really don't think my people need to be inspired. Why? They're duds from the day, from the time they come in until they go home. I don't want somebody who's inspirational. I don't want someone who's going to push them to achieve a common goal, right? So when the, interview, when the interviewer agrees with you, you will then get to talk about your past experience in ways that you can you have demonstrated your ability to do those things, to lead people, to influence successfully, to bring people around a common goal. Different interviewers ask different questions, but in every, quest, but in every interview, I find I tend to ask the same things every single time. Why do you want this job? And I have to say, you'd be surprised at how few people I have asked actually have a ready answer for the question. Give us some thought. Why do you want this job? And from your interviewer's perspective, it shouldn't be because I need the money, right? Be prepared to talk about, as I said, your three greatest strengths. Be prepared to come to the table with honest feedback about your greatest weaknesses and how you have addressed them or why you don't think they're going to be an issue. Um, and, you know, when it comes to weaknesses, no boss believes that being a workaholic is a terribly great weakness because that's what everybody says. So come up with a weakness that's real and come up with a solution to your weakness that's real. Self-awareness is critical. And one of the things you should know when I interview and I ask those questions, I don't just ask because I want to hear the answers. I ask because I want to see if I can catch the interviewee off guard. I want to find out how honestly they're going to talk about their weaknesses and their strengths. I want to see if they are self-assured enough to give me three strengths. I want to see if they can follow instructions. I said three strengths and three weaknesses, not five, not seven, not, you know, 20 minutes of going around the mountain talking about stuff. Just give me one, two, three strengths. Give me one, two, three weaknesses. You can, you can elaborate a little bit, but in the end, I'm looking for six points that I'm going to write down on this sheet of paper to see if you can follow instructions. So I'm going to tell you a short tale. Once upon a time, I was hiring for a research analyst position that would report to me. I narrowed it down to my finalist candidates. I had 10 people, and I was going to winnow down to my final selection. If you do nothing else, research as much about the job and about the company as you positively can. 
Because the answer that set my winning candidate apart from the other nine was a question about why they wanted the job. Can't remember how I asked the job. But here here are the answers that I often hear. Here are the answers that you might have given that are not even almost a little bit impressive. I want the job because I think this would be a great opportunity for me. I want the job because I'm looking for a new opportunity and I've outgrown the place I have. I want the job because I need it. I want the job because I want to make more money. I want the job because I want a new challenge. I want the job because I hate my boss. I want the job because I don't like my current job. I want the job because I want to work closer to home. All of these things you might have said, you might have heard said, but if you're an interviewer, these are things you hear all the time and not a single one of them is going to move me to give you the job. Why? Ask me why. Why, Speedway? Why is is that not impressive? Because companies never hire employees to make the employees' lives better. Did you hear me? Companies never hire employees to make the employees' lives better. Companies hire employees to fix their own internal problems or advance their own internal strategies or agendas. No one wants to give you a job to make you, employee, comfortable. That goes for me too, by the way. That's not just you. That's me too. Companies hire because they've got a problem and they're hoping you can help them fix it. Period. The end. Your company, here are, so knowing that, here are some ways to answer that question. Answer it in the context of the company's needs and what you can bring to the job. For example, your company has a really impressive growth strategy, and I believe I can help you advance it. Within the past couple of years, your company has made a turnaround, and you need people who are great change agents in order to keep that momentum going. Uh, another example, your company's greatest strength is the quality of your marketing communications content, and therefore you need great communicators with a lot of sophistication, and I believe that I can bring something that I can add to your ability to advance this. You hear what I mean? Another example, in last year's annual report, your president said that you are focused on growing through acquisitions. I have 20 years of experience in everything from small joint ventures to large acquisitions, and I believe I would be a good fit for your organization. Another example, your company's mission is to save life every day by developing new life-giving cancer drugs. I'm excited by what you do because my dad died of cancer and I want to be a part of a company that helps save people like him. Another example, while there are many real estate developers in the marketplace, you are unique because you are committed to building high-quality but affordable housing with the objective of ending homelessness. And I have the right skill set to help you make significant strides towards that objective. I have given you a lot of examples. Every one of these answers is different, but it's focused on the company and what the company is trying to accomplish and not on you and the benefits of you uh, that you want to get out of working for the company. See that? If you get the job, you're going to get the benefits. You're going to get the salary. You're going to get the the medical care and the whatever, whatever, whatever comes with the job. You're going to get that stuff anyway, right? But 
the reason the company is going to give you the job isn't because they want to give you the benefits. It's because they think that you've got something that you're going to give them that they will be willing and happy to trade you the benefits for. So those are the things to remember in an interview. Um, things to avoid in an interview, unless you're asked directly, avoid talking about your spouse, your children, your family, your age, or your disabilities. You don't want those to get in the way, and even if they don't get in the way, if you don't get that job, you don't want to always be wondering if they didn't give you the job because you said something about one of those topics that might have been an issue. Companies aren't supposed to ask you about those things either. And what they're supposed to make the decision on is your fit for this job, okay? And that's true at least in the United States. Outside the United States, you may get all kinds of questions about things that are personal and that don't apply. And my suggestion to you is when you get those questions, those should serve as red flags for you as to whether this is the kind of company that you're going to be able to work well in and that you will want to work in. So these are things that go towards your ability to evaluate whether this is a, an opportunity that you really want. Okay? So anyhow, if this is the first of a series of interviews for you in this particular job, try and avoid asking about money and focus instead of understanding what the job requires and whether it is a job that you would be interested in doing. Remember, the money is going to come if you get the job offer, but first, you've got to get the offer. Once you get the offer, the offer is going to have some money attached to it, and you can think about the money after that. But, of course, they're not hiring you for free. So you don't really need to worry about the money unless until the offer is made. Until you have an offer, you have nothing to think about. The money doesn't matter. The benefits don't matter because they have not been extended to you until you have an offer. So don't jump the gun and start asking about those kinds of things first because if you do, you may not get past the first interview because your interviewer may get the impression, rightly or wrongly, that you're focused and interested in the wrong things. My last tip I will give you about the job hunting process is be honest. Use the interview as a time of mutual exploration so that both you and your interviewer can figure out if you are truly a good fit for this job. If you're not, you probably won't be successful and you probably won't like the job. And if that turns out to be true, then I would suggest that you go to Speedway.com and you can check out the I Hate My Job show. So with that, this is Speedway saying go in peace and mail. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.